You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. Hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to the QSR Web Podcast, hovering cool, limited service branch each week all around the nation and world. I'm QSR Web and Pizza Marketplace Editor Shelley Whitehead, and so glad you've joined us because this week we're touching base with executives at two very different but equally delightful brands, Del Taco and Tzatziki's. First up is Mexican QSR Del Taco's Senior Vice President of Strategic Planning, Chad Gretzema, to give us the lowdown on how the second largest Mexican QSR brand nationally is progressing and changing to meet the ever-evolving quick-service diner's needs. And then we'll sit down with Tzatziki's CEO, Dan Simpson, to get a feel for the many ways that best schedule works to bring a slice of a balmy day along the Mediterranean to its customers' plates and mental states, even in the midst of the average American's harried day. So stay with us for Del Taco's Chad Gretzma up first right after this. Are you a supplier or a brand working to elevate the customer experience? The Interactive Customer Experience Association connects brands, suppliers, agencies, and more who are working to create transcendent customer experiences. Let's work together to create a better customer experience ecosystem for us all. Join the ICX Association today at ICXA.org. It might be hard to believe, but this year, Del Taco is 55, with just about 10 times that many restaurants today, and a relatively new brand focus on food freshness, very much in jibe with the druthers of the modern Mexican QSR audience. And the brand's rolling out and taking on this refreshed identity right to the core, as we're about to learn more about from Del Taco Senior Vice President of Strategic Planning, Chad Gretzema, who is with us today. And hello, Chad. Hello, Shelley. How are you? Pretty good. Now, let's just start with finding out more about this renewed focus at Del Taco, beginning with the two elements that I read about that really intrigued me, including the in-restaurant fresh produce chalkboard, and the initiative to create more caramelized quesadillas. Can you tell us a little bit more about these, including how your vendors and customers react to having this recognition of the people who are creating the food in their stores? Sure. Um, Both of these elements are are part of what we call our combined solution strategy. And and the main idea with combined solutions is that we maximize any major initiative uh, that we're rolling out with marketing elements that enhance the brand promise to our guests, and then operational elements that make it easier for our teams to deliver on that promise. Um, this has really been an effective approach for us because, you know, as, as we know, change is always hard. Um, during times when we're asking our team members to roll out a change, like a new menu item, um, we're also doing something to make their jobs better. And, and so for this launch, we wanted to enhance the brand promise and, and further differentiate from you know, our QSR competition by increasing the guest understanding that you know, we are freshly preparing ingredients in our restaurants. And, and during our guest research on that, they told us that the transparency on where the produce was grown and when it was prepared really underlined that, that freshness for us. 
So each morning, our team members fill out a chalkboard that's posted both in the dining room and at our drive-through window, indicating where a particular uh, element of produce came from, where it was grown, when it was packed, and then when and who prepared it in the restaurant that day. And, and what we found is that that chalkboard has really become a symbol of pride for our team members. When they see their name on the board, it reinforces that they're doing something special. You don't see it every QSR restaurant. You know, the idea doesn't come you know, just to life on the, on the chalkboards either. Um, marketing has incorporated real team members into our current advertising campaign that features the tagline, the hardest working hands in, in fast food. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah, yeah. And it, it's been great to see the, the team members seeing themselves on television and becoming mini celebrities in their own restaurants has been, been a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> In this particular instance, we were rolling out a $1 chicken snacker quesadilla that we knew was going to significantly increase the volume of quesadillas we made each day. And during our testing process, we found you know, that the level of grilling we were getting, the level of grilling consistency we were getting was not really where we wanted it to be. And that was a result of many restaurants utilizing older grills. Um, and this made it challenging for our team members to grill multiple quesadillas at the same time and get that same level of, of grill on it. So based directly off that team member feedback, um, corporate and franchise restaurants invested in a, a new dual lid quesadilla press that had separate timers for both sides of the grill. And you know, that new equipment paired with some other procedural improvements um, you know, has really improved the quality of the quesadilla that, uh, that we serve each day. How great to kind of let employees have both a voice and recognition right there through those two initiatives. That's, uh, that's fun. I mean, nobody doesn't like to have, have your name mentioned in a good light. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think it goes back to that sense of pride that we want folks that are working at Del Taco to feel like they're doing something truly special that you can't do in any, any other restaurant job. With the quesadillas, does changing their, I guess we'd say their sort of texture and taste with the caramelization translate to any ripple effects in ordering, like, you know, more sides, different beverages, or people, uh, are, are you seeing an uptick in any other uh, customer behaviors as a result of that change? Yeah, I think where it's changed guest behavior is really in the amount of quesadillas that we're seeing ordered. Um, you know, the, the chicken quesadilla snacker was the biggest new product launch in terms of unit sales uh, that we've ever had. And, and I think anytime we can deliver uh, innovation um, that makes it a better or more consistent product can, can really have an impact also on guest frequency. You know, they trust that they'll get a great product every time they come to us and at every different Del Taco location. And, and probably another example of that uh, kind of innovation is we just launched a brand new tortilla warmer. And for many years, we warmed tortillas on an oversized uh, pancake grill. And during really busy times at the restaurant, it was difficult for team members to fit all of the tortillas that needed warming on the grill. <laughs> so we partnered with a great equipment vendor to develop a proprietary warmer um, that works along the same lines as a bagel toaster, where the tortilla is simultaneously warmed on both sides of a rolling belt. Um, and we found that we, you know, we're really serving tortillas that are significantly hotter and taste significantly fresher. And, and you know, for us, we, we serve over 250 million tortillas a year. And so, you know, that type of innovation is, is a really big deal for the brand. 
how many tortillas? 260 million, did you say? Yeah, over 250 million. <laughs> That's a lot of tortilla eating. It's, it really does show the, the kind of strength and the details. Um, you know, all these things you're mentioning and the attention to detail is, um, is fascinating. It, kind of the cumulative effect that it has. You know, and all this is really part of an overall rollout of a new prototype for Del Taco, correct? We're working parallel paths right now on on two different sides of of kind of the new prototype. One is what we're calling the kitchen of the future. Um, And in terms of that testing, what we do is we take each individual piece of equipment um, that we want to innovate against, and we'll test that in individual stores and really operationalize it and get great feedback from, from our operations teams and our team members who use it each day. And you know we're excited now to pull all of those different pieces of equipment together into our first uh, Kitchen of the Future restaurant. Uh, we've been remodeling one restaurant, and it actually opens up this week with our first full Kitchen of the Future. So we're really excited to, uh, to bring that one to life. And then in, in conjunction uh, with that, we also have a partnered with a design firm uh, to design what the Del Taco building of, of the future could look like. Uh, lots more exciting things to come on, on that front, too. So it could be a whole new face. It, were there a lot of pieces of equipment? When you say operationalize, are you saying to use the equipment you've got more effectively or possibly replace if it's not working up to par? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, some of it is is procedural, where you say, "Hey, is there a way that we can be more efficient in you know when we do our food production, or which particular team member is doing food production?" Um, and then some of it is, "Hey, you know, there's a, a new new technology from an equipment standpoint that could allow us to do this faster or better or more efficiently." So we look at we look at all of those things when we when we're determining what that the kitchen should look like. That's interesting. Uh, I'd like to find out more about that kitchen of the future that you're opening. What what uh, city is that in? That's in uh, Mission Viejo, California. Okay. Finally, you know, I know there are new uniforms and a new emphasis on using employees and customers' names in restaurant, and, and that this is a brand that really builds a culture around servant leadership. Can you tell us how all that? fits into this refreshed identity and Del Taco's growth going forward? I know that's a big question, but. <laughs> I have yeah, but a, but, a, but a really important question. You know, I, I would say earlier this year, we really recommitted as an organization uh, to, to focus on people and making an employee's time at Del Taco, you know, time really well spent. And, and that started with a bottoms up uh, effort uh, with our CEO hosting roundtables uh, with restaurant and support center team members. And the objective is to really determine what are the core values that really make Del Taco a, a great place to work. And what came out of those roundtables was a very real sense of pride that our team members felt about working for Del Taco. Um, and we rolled out those values in a series of rallies across the country. Um, and in those rallies, we featured team members who we felt like really represented each of those values at Del Taco and how they go about doing their job every day. Um, you know, this effort has really it just resulted in kind of a rallying cheer that we've got across the company right now, where we say that we're we're proud as Dell of what we do each day. <laughs> um, and so that it's been fun to hear that rallying cry as we go to different different restaurants and that cheer. 
you know, it's it'll be fun to watch you all as you kind of progress through the the year and years ahead with this new focus. Um, it's concentrating on the people is almost a can't miss, isn't it? Yeah, and I would say today, you know, it's one of the toughest hiring environments uh, that the restaurant industry has ever faced. And, you know, we really believe that if our team members feel good about their jobs, it, it translates into a better experience for our guests. And, and, and part of that experience is creating that lasting relationship, um, you know, between the team member and, and, and the guests. And, you know, the better they feel about their job and the career opportunities they have at, at Del Taco, you know, the better relationship and experience they're going to provide to our guests every day. I want one of those caramelized, more caramelized quesadillas right now. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yep, you they're, so they're much. Yep, they're awfully tasty. I know. Uh, I, I really appreciate your stopping in to talk to us. It's fun to hear what you all have up, and it'll be fun to watch it unfold. So thank you, Chad. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I'm a, I'm a subscriber to the podcast, and I think it's just a, a terrific opportunity for all of us in the industry to share best practices with each other. Bless you. Thank you very much. Okay. Now, to all who are listening, please stay right where you are because Tzatziki's CEO, Dan Simpson, is just a Interactive Customer Experience Association's mission is to connect B2C brands to technology that elevates the customer experience. Brands have access to resources, project help, news, and insights based around boosting their customer experience. Suppliers gain network opportunities to reach these brands and help them provide solutions to elevate their customer experience. Join today at ICXA.org. Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Dan. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let's start with kind of a basic status check on this brand as far as number of current units, your geographic reach, and also since you've been a Tzatziki's franchisee, can you tell us what made the brand so attractive to you that you wanted to own a chunk of it? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, just opened our 90th store yesterday in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And uh, it's been exciting. We have kind of a run coming up here. We're opening about one a month and uh, excited to see the brand continue to grow. We're in 17 states, um, and that number will grow as well. Our target is to get to about 100 units by the end of this year. So very exciting to see this grow. And part, part of the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the good of a franchise model, from my perspective, is, is that you, you get to connect with people's dreams. Like someone didn't want to just work in a corporate office, um, and they wanted to do something where they could own their business and they could hire people and make a difference in the community. And to be able to perpetuate that through the mechanism of, of healthy food that brings people together, that, that's awesome. So we really kind of feel like we get to be in the business of kind of the real food movement and perpetuating people's dreams. Um, yeah, I, and that, that was really one of the reasons why I got involved in this brand. I, I kind of come from a diverse background of multiple inter- industries, they uh, running a technology company, actually ran and helped lead a, a nonprofit for uh, several years. And the combination of sort of uh, big-hearted, purpose-driven work, but also with uh, that's very, you know, tech-enabled and, and, and be part of, you know, uh, not just the Mediterranean diet, but really the larger movement of people seeking a healthier lifestyle. There's all those pieces aligned with my personal values, my wife's values. 
And so we're excited to, to partner with Fresh Hospitality and, and, and as a franchisee several years ago, only to be asked to join the, the, the corporate team thereafter. Wow. And, you know, with a background like the one that you discussed, technology and nonprofit, you are pulling in all those facets into what you're doing now, aren't you? Yeah, and really, it really is kind of a, a happy marriage of a lot of different backgrounds. And it's funny when people ask sometimes, you know, how should I build my resume, you know, when they're coming out of college or earlier <laughs> in their career? And I, I often encourage them, don't. Life often doesn't go according to plan, like a, like most business plans. Um, more so, you can be pretty in touch with, you know, how God wired you, what your skill sets are in life and what your passions are. And then, you know, take the next step uh, in life because you, you never, you often can't make up how your story will turn. And only in looking backwards can you see some uh, common thread. So for me, I can look back and realize, wow, I've always, everything has always been about people. It's always been, always been in the people business, even when it was technology or even nonprofit um, and, and worked in healthcare before that. Lots of different industries, but it was always about people um, and trying to make a positive impact. Isn't that fascinating? That's really well put. Um, you know, at the, it's something that you never do here is, you know, kind of see what your resume builds for you. See what life builds for right. as far as the resume for you. So that's really interesting. I, I want to go back to the subject of the store numbers. Since you're on a tra- trajectory at this point to hit the 100 store mark by years end, I wonder why is that important to this brand? And how are you going to do it? Well, it's a great question. Um, on one hand, I think I will actually want to point out, in some ways, it's it's not important in, in, in this way. Um, our, some, some other brands really focus on being the biggest and going fast. And really, that's never been our priority is to sort of be driven by ego or by, you know, some award for speed of growth. Um, we've really tried to be disciplined about smart growth. And our priority being to our partners, right? Again, as a franchisor, that means we've we've chosen going from one entrepreneur, the Keith and Amy Richards, the, the founders, back in 1998 when they opened their first um, Tzatzikis. Um, from that point on, it's always been about, okay, how do we help them be successful in that first location? Okay, and then how about their second? Well, now that was in Birmingham, Alabama. They're getting ready to open like their ninth store. Um, and so our goal has always been to have with every partner that we bring into the Tzatziki's fold and family is how do we let's find out their dream, help, help them be successful on a unit economic level, more important than as a brand level. Um, that said, it is exciting to say, you know, many brands have come and gone in that time frame. So 21 years later, the tenured um, stability of the brand is important. We survived and, and thrived during these years. And We've attracted more partners that want to be a part of Tzatziki. So it is exciting. Um, you know, last year was our 20th anniversary, and we celebrated um, mostly surrounded by, you know, our staff that have been with us for years and a lot of the special needs youth that we also partner with as a company, as our signature charity, the Hope Project. Uh, and now to be upon another milestone of 100 units is just exciting because it, it really, again, it means that we've been able to successfully support the dreams of so many other franchisee partners across the country. It's invigorating. Uh, I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun. And like you said, how do you, you know how we pulled it off? Um, it's interesting. We've 
part is you focus on fundamentals, right? You stay a purpose-driven brand that is people-focused. We, we have not. Um, other brands have kind of tinkered a lot with their menu over the years, and we, we, we're constantly adding, you know, new LTOs and having, still having fun with the food. But we've, our menu stayed very consistent for 20 years, and so our guests and the communities we're in get to know us and, and don't have to worry about um, a lot of tumultuous chain. They, they, they uh, are able to get what they expect. Um, and then, you know, and like any business, it comes down to great people and then automation and technology where it makes sense, which we've made a lot of investments in the, those areas in the last three to five years. My my understanding is that the brand is upgrading the store's interiors and really trying to recreate something akin to that super relaxed, convivial Mediterranean atmosphere. And I wonder how in the world do you accomplish that in <laughs> this mile a minute culture? Well, boy, you said it. I love your description. It's better than mine. So I might just adopt <laughs> yours. It was a great description of the new store refresh. Yeah, when, so when I, when I joined, the board came and asked me to join uh, a little over three years ago as the chief innovation officer at the time and got to work with Keith and Amy, the founders. And it was, we are approaching the, the 20th anniversary, and it allows some of those key miles, you know, in our own life, like our birthdays, our wedding anniversaries, these are milestones to pause, reflect, look in the mirror, take stock. Um, and so we did. I got to sit, come in at a perfect time and ask them, guys, if you – could do this all over again what would be the same what would we never want to change but also what what maybe got a little off track or what would you do differently and one of the areas they pulled out their pictures from their original trip to greece in 1997 and you know i just noticed wow they all look like the blue mediterranean it looks like the greek isles and and the water around the mediterranean as much as uh, anything a lot of white and blue and yet i looked at our stores and somehow they um they were sort of cast in this more old world and olive and dark look and feel and and um they they were quick to say yeah if we had to do it all over again it'd probably look more like this like look like our pictures so well you know there's you're you're the founder and i'm the chief innovation officer with the board behind us let's do it and so <laughs> we all we all agreed and said um started worked with uh startup architecture uh out of pittsburgh that helped you know redesign google or helped design google's um one of their headquarters and and a great partnership for us and we we went back and inspired by those pictures and those colors we wanted to bring the more coastal Mediterranean looking feel, the whites and the blues, uh, married with our, our, our other colors, which are, you know, our logos like bright green and white. So we were able to bring those colors together. And, and it just, it's a brighter space. It's a younger feel. Um, and yet it's very, you know, authentic back to what you would see if you traveled to Greece or Lebanon or around the Mediterranean today. Oh, love to be there. Um, <laughs> so anything well, and, you and can I, do... I, I want it. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, right. It's a plane ticket away. I actually got to take my first trip with our founder this uh, January and it was really fun to, to be, you know, inspired in a new way. But we often will say, you know, for, for, if you don't have the time or money to, to uh, fly to the Mediterranean, you can escape to the Mediterranean by coming to Tzatziki's. So we try to make it as, as real and as uh, enjoyable, hospitable as possible. But um, I will tell you, you know, many brands struggle with, with doing a refresh um, for a lot of reasons. Like you said, there's a fast pace. They're all heads down running their restaurants. There can be a cost prohibitive nature that is hard. So our approach has been, you know, of our uh, two of our core brand values are connection and collaboration. And so we took, we took a very uh, connection based and collaborative approach to this. So our franchise advisory council, we met with them 
And we've, we've been very open with all of our franchisees about here's why we're going this direction. Um, and th- though this is written into your franchise agreement, we're going to be really flexible in the timing so you can save up the CapEx dollars and you can implement this in, a, in an excellent way. Because the goal is not just to refresh the store. The goal is to refresh the whole guest experience. So it involves training and more than just the physical attributes of the store. So our approach has been, let's set this as a goal. Let's set this um, and, and not take so much a letter of the law, but spirit of the law as far as the timing. Work with our franchise partners. And, and we've had an amazing response from them where they've raised their hands even since before their official dates and said, let's do this. <laughs> well, that's that's great. Uh, what what kind of response have you received thus far um, from the customers? Well, right, that that probably matters the most. So, um, right, so you're always wondering. Um, though I said, you know, we've kept our menu much the same. If you change the store design, um, the first thing we wanted to make sure when people walk in, they still walk in and go like, oh yeah, this feels like a tzatziki Mediterranean cafe. Uh, we want to make sure that we didn't go too far in the design changes. And that's the response we got. People are like, it feels strangely the same, but just it feels so much brighter. We've we've gone to great lengths to try to open up the spaces even more um, so they feel more communal, more of a gathering place. There is something refreshing. Like our you know, tzatzikis, by and large, don't have TVs in them. By design, we want them to be a place where you can kind of get away, escape from all the noise and and pace of things. And so there is a sort of a respite element. This design uh, sort of accentuates that. We've had great, great responses from the guests. We've kept the seating comfortable. The colors are more vibrant. Um, and we've seen both great response from the guests verbally and their facial expressions, but also um, sales have gone up. Same store sales have gone up in every single store. We've completed the refresh. Is that right? Wow. Well, that talks, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that that definitely helps sell it when you're um, when we were talking with our franchise community to uh, to move the process along. Now, you're a former business strategy executive, so it wasn't too surprising to me to hear that the chain's TAS Rewards loyalty program is a very important element to you. Um, so I'm wondering, what's Taziki's strategy to really hook customers through that program? Yeah, our perspective on on a rewards program is that if you if you you want to essentially emulate um, what was done 50, 100 years ago in a restaurant, right? You had a restaurateur who was a working manager. They grew up in that town. The kids went to school in that town. They they knew half the town already. When people came in, you knew them by name. Um, and and so I think the reality is the with the transient nature of communities. And um, in even the turnover in the restaurant business, that's really much harder to do now. We try to accomplish that with our local partner model um, as far as who operates the restaurants. But the technologies available today give us an opportunity to try to to emulate more of those good behaviors um, of knowing who your guests are and trying to give, trying to not just meet their expectations but exceed them. And and so if you look now with good data in any of our systems, your system should be able to tell you not just your sales. And not just your sales mix, what's selling, what's not, what's changing over time, but also who are your guests and what are their behaviors and how are they changing over time? And so our rewards program very much looks at our guests and says, hey, there's a subset of these guests that, that really have already displayed their affinity to 
tzatzikis. And we, we, when we talk with them, we find out really their affinity is towards you know, living a healthier lifestyle. And tzatzikis is part of that. They're also likely to have a membership at Title Boxing or Orange Theory Fitness. Um, and so those people are loyal to us because we're a part of their our shared ethic of a healthier lifestyle. And for those people that have been either been with us since the beginning or they they come to tzatzikis, tzatzikis on a frequent basis, it's really our way of saying, you really matter to us. We don't we don't exist apart from you, and we want to serve you. And it it is genuinely a thank you on our part. Um, and it is you know it is a way to again also to emulate some of those behaviors of we want to be as informed as possible as who are as to who our guests are and what their preferences are, so we can serve them better. Again, these data mechanisms and even a rewards program allow us to both say thank you, but also be a little more informed about who our guests are. That's great. You think that you could, and I know this might be asking for inside information, but tell us what you can. If you can share with us one thing you have planned that you know about in the coming year that you are really excited about for its potential effect on the business and why. Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> um, we, you know, I'm really blessed to work with a great group of people who they themselves bring their own passion and ideation to what we do. Um, and, you know, Mike Smith and Rachel Layton and Keith Richard, I mentioned, and Billy Magruder and, and so many other people that work in our team. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of things, everything from, you know, we're working on beverage innovation. Um, I'm really passionate about a new recruitment strategy, uh, focusing on talent and, um, you know, things have, have changed as generational shifts happen, right? So it used to be, you know, if you talk to Chick-fil-A, you know, they, they, they look at, at elementary, middle school, high school, and kind of build this family unit. And then, then you know, Chick-fil-A is your first job, right? Well, even that shifted where less and less high school students are looking for jobs. So we've all had to be more creative with low unemployment, which is by and large good, um, to see how do we provide not just jobs, but careers to people. And so we're excited to... Um, to have new partnerships on the horizon, hiring veterans and first-generation Americans, and like I mentioned, special needs uh, youth and adults. And so looking in some creative areas where we can create some win-wins, it's an extension of our heart as a brand, um, and getting creative around recruitment. That is exciting, and it's also primary concern just right across limited service. It's such an issue anymore so um we'll be watching uh it, one last question for you and this kind of broadens beyond tzatziki's itself if you could change one thing about the u.s restaurant industry today what would that be and why and how is that pertinent to tzatziki's long question well i i love the question i think i think part of it is uh, the idea of working at a restaurant or really any other uh, what's considered a service job or a blue-collar job, I think the goal of making that sexy again, right? So there's – I was actually – I was born in Philadelphia um, and um, many other, whether you're talking about Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or Louisville or Birmingham, so many cities around our country um, are filled with hardworking people that are, are in-service jobs and 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 i think somewhere along the way the restaurant business maybe through franchising um and large franchise franchisors you know became this you know uh kind of get le- a lesser than than great reputation um it's sort of the only job you could get um if if, if that's the only job you could get 
And I think that there's instead, I think elevating the perspective of both the franchisee model, that it is really, it is the American dream. It is the entrepreneurial, uh, one of the ways that we, ex- we accelerate entrepreneurialism in America and we truly have the opportunity to take people out of a, out of a cubicle at a corporation where they're miserable and empower them as leaders to run their own business, mentor people and be a part of a community. That's amazing. We should celebrate that. And on the, and the people working in the restaurant, again, I think elevating it, it should be an exciting part of our economy and a, and a really great job. People in the service business get to do what I think is the most important thing and really the ultimate purpose in life. We get to serve people. And, um, and it's not just a matter of, and we take great pride in scratch-made food from farmers we source from and know um, and make every dish um, you know, to order for that person. We take great pride in it. But the real magic is whether I have 10 seconds because it's a curbside order or I have two or three minutes to engage with a person, whether it's a short amount of time or a long amount of time, it's being fully present, looking eye to eye with the person, uh, paying attention to who they are, what they might need. It is a great joy and kind of our honor to serve people. And I think elevating uh, both the franchisee as an entrepreneurial, the spirit behind that, and also the service industry, not just restaurants, but to, but to elevate that is these are really important jobs, really remarkable. We talked about career building and resume building, really remarkable uh, traits um, and practices for us to train uh, our children and that we should celebrate these jobs. Wonderful. I think that's a great, I think you need a TV show. <laughs> Sign me up. Uh, Same bat channel, same bat time. That's right. (laughs) Thank you so much for stopping by, just chatting with us. It's a great brand, and and you've got tons of enthusiasm, and I love love to talk to people like that about their businesses. So I appreciate it very much. Well, it's my pleasure. It's great to be in this work together. All right, then. That is going to do it for today's podcast, but please take a moment to put a reminder in your calendar now to check in with us next Friday for more QSR talk next week revolving around the golden opportunities one chicken QSR finds in the southern way of quick service. We also take a look at what QSR brands are pushing for in packaging next week. Again, that's all beginning next Friday. And check us out. But in the meantime, please have a phenomenal weekend. Maybe even watch the famed Kentucky Derby on Saturday. And hopefully you'll cross the finish line first in business all next week as well. Until then, have a great week.